Welcome to the Vineyard Boise Sunday Message Podcast. You can join us live on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. on Facebook, YouTube, and vineyardboise.org slash live. Subscribe to our message podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. And if you'd like to support Vineyard Boise, you can give online at vineyardboise.org slash give. Today's message is brought to you by Pastor Trevor Estes. Enjoy. Let's get into our message this morning. Um, today, here's what I have for you. Uh, today's kind of a standalone week. Oftentimes, we're in a teaching series. We're teaching through a, a topical series or a book of the Bible that we're, we're working our way through just passage by passage. Uh, we ended one, pa- one series last week, and we're, we're launching a new one next Sunday that will carry us through Christmas. Today's kind of a standalone, and what I'd like to do is I'd like to share with you something from my sabbatical. Uh, if you're new around here, uh, my name's Trevor. <laughs> I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, actually, I've been on staff. Uh, been in vocational ministry, not always in the same role, but I've been on staff, full-time staff at this church for 24 years. And after 24 years, I needed a sabbatical. And so I'm just returning from a three-month sabbatical where I got a chance uh, with my family to, be, to rest, uh, to, to just be renewed, to just uh, spend time uh, really allowing God to take care of our souls uh, as we seek to, to care for the souls of others. We needed some personal soul care. And so we've been doing that. And, and I, so I, first of all, want to just thank you, even as you're starting to clap. Um, here's what I found. I, I was part of a sabbatical program, part of a, a sabbatical coaching program, and in that program, I, I heard other people's stories, other pastors' stories, and I realized that not everybody is, uh, is, is empowered to take this kind of uh, a sabbatical that we just have come back from. Uh, other people have to, they, they have to make a case to their staff or to their board or to the church. They have to explain why this is necessary and convince them, persuade them. And so there was actually coaching on how to persuade others you need this. And I just want to say, when, when we asked for this, we were, at every level, beginning with the, the staff and our finance council and our, our, uh, our pastors and then, and then bringing it to the wider church, we were, were blessed and encouraged to do that. And so um, that's, not, that's not lost on us how generously we've been treated. So I want to thank you for that. Thank you for the, um, the prayers. Many of you were, were praying for us at, throughout the sabbatical. Uh, some of you have said, hey, we prayed for you and we're not going to stop, which, thank you. <laughs> um, thank you for the, the words of encouragement. That some of them were spoken, some of them were written. Thank you for the gifts. Thank you for, uh, some of you opened your, your homes to us or vacation homes. And um, we just, we want to say thank you. So the, really beyond saying thank you, what I'd like to do is to, is to share with you a, a gift that God gave to me during sabbatical and in the, in the confidence that I believe this could be a gift to you as well. That this, I'm going to kind of open up my life in kind of a, a pretty personal way this morning. Uh, but I believe that what God gave to me um, isn't just for me. I believe it's for you as well. So something I was asking for God as I went on sabbatical, as I began that, is I was asking for a new anchor passage. Anchor passage, when I say anchor, I, I mean of Scripture. Uh, for my life and for the next season of ministry. Um, what I mean by that is this, that uh, throughout my, my life, what has often happened is that as I'm spending time in God's word, in scripture, 
uh, sometimes it's for just my personal growth. Maybe it's the, you know, whatever devotional rhythm I'm in. I'm, I'm in a place in scripture. Sometimes it's when I'm preparing for some sort of teaching environment like this. But I'll be in a passage and I'll recognize that there's something going on here that's deeper than just this moment. This is not just about today's devotion or this is not just about this weekend's message. That God has something for me here that's, that's for this whole season of my life. And it, it's like an invitation that I experience. It's a it's like a quickening in my spirit. I, I just sense something where my heart begins to race, my spirit is lifted, and I think, oh God, I, wanna, I want to spend time here. And it's like this invitation to say that this is a, this is a living, it's a, it's a water filled with living well where every time I come back here, that God's going to give me living water. He's gonna give me uh, manna. You know, we, manna in scripture is bread of heaven, and when I encounter one of these passages, like this is going to be bread of heaven that's going to feed and nourish my soul. And so um, coming out of sabbatical, I, you know, God has, has sprinkled these throughout my life, uh, began vocational ministry some 27 years ago. The very first anchor passage God gave to me was in 1995 when Andrea and I were, uh, we were serving overseas in a, a Bible school. And, uh, and in, it was around May of 95, God gave me my very first anchor passage. And to this day, in fact, this morning, I was, I'm still praying through that one. It's a, it's a well I still drink from. And then throughout my life, God has continued to just periodically drop a new one into my life, often at the beginning of a new season. Sometimes I don't know what it's for, but as I get into that season, I realize, oh, I needed that because I need to be grounded in your truth and anchored in who you are and who you say that I am while I, while I navigate this season. And so it's interesting, they, they're, they've, they're not like standalone passages. They're, they're kind of all intertwined now. They've just become kind of the prayer language of my life. I often am I'm mixing them together and praying through them as I'm driving or showering or, or getting up to speak. I'm just, I'm just praying through those because God meets me there. So uh, as I was heading into sabbatical, feeling really pretty weary on every front. I was feeling weary uh, uh, physically, emotionally, mentally, and certainly spiritually. I was, I was worn out. I said, God, would you, would you give me a new anchor passage? During this three months, would you give me something new for the coming season? And God did that. I wasn't, true to form, I wasn't specifically reading. It wasn't like I was, I was reading and, and looking for an anchor passage specifically. It happened just in the practice of my life. As I, and, and so one day during my sabbatical coaching program, part of that was they had a, a prayer guide for us to pray through. And they were all moments in Jesus' life. The, the one that I was working my way through was, was praying through significant moments in Jesus' life. And one day as I was praying through one of those and responding by writing in my journal, I, I did a lot of journaling during sabbatical. It just, it, that's something that takes time and yet God meets me there. And so I was writing out my prayers and my hopes and my response and I realized, oh, this is it. As I, as I prepared, and this happened in October, uh, so, so I, was, I was already starting to think about re-entering ministry here at the Vineyard and I I realized this is, this is my anchor passage for this next season. So um, I will say it's, it had to do 
one of the things it has to do with is, is coming from the hiddenness of sabbatical. Uh, you know, over the last three months, uh, really our lives were kind of hidden. Uh, interestingly, like even run out in public, even like it wasn't like we literally sequestered ourselves. We still, you know, went to Costco and all kinds of places like that. There was a hiddenness because I just didn't see people like I normally do. I, I, I think I can probably count on one hand how many people I ran into in five months or in three months. Um, there, our lives were hidden. But as we were preparing to come out of that place of hiddenness, uh, this, was, this was the passage that God gave me. So um, I'll share that again for two reasons. One, it's to say thank you. And for those of you who, who have said, I want to pray for you, how can I pray for you? Pray this, Okay. No, wait for it. Um, pray this. Uh, or if you just ever feel a nudge, how do we pray for our church and um, the team that serves there? You can pray this over me, pray it over us. Uh, but secondly, like I said earlier, I believe that this isn't just for me. I believe it's for you. Um, I believe there's an invitation that this could be an anchor passage for you in this season of, of your life and whatever ministry looks like for you. It won't look the same as my life. But the reality is because God is, is constant in who he is, it's not about the circumstances of our lives. It's about bringing the reality of who he is into the circumstances of our lives, which is why this is portable. Anybody could, could take this and say, I want to pray into that. That's one of the miraculous ways that scripture, the word of God works. Here's the thing. When God plants something deep, into the heart of one person. And when that seed bears fruit in their heart and life, it can be shared. It can be multiplied. It can be given away. It can be taken in and incorporated into their life and, and appropriated. It can, be, it can be shared. It can be multiplied. Here's what I mean by that. I'm a, I'm, this isn't my anchor passage, but I just want to give you an example of how that works in scripture. We'll, we'll get there. But look at this. This is from Joshua chapter one. This is verse five and six and nine. This is a well-known passage. But I want to show you how this anchor passage in the life of Joshua became portable and was appropriated by other leaders and not only for themselves, but they gave it away. So watch this. Joshua 1, 5. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. This is God speaking. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. There, it's repeated right there, hear it? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. God spoke that to Joshua at the beginning of a new season in his life and in his calling. Uh, Joshua's predecessor who led the people of Israel, Moses, had just died. And they were about to go into the promised land. They were gonna cross the Jordan River, which we're gonna, we're gonna be in the Jordan River this morning. They're about to cross the Jordan River into the promised land, and that was gonna be uncharted territory for them. They were gonna face uh, enemies they had never faced before. They were going to encounter technology they'd not encountered before. They were gonna experience resistance and pushback. And they were going to be themselves tempted in every way, in ways they hadn't before. And so at the beginning of that, as they entered into this season, God spoke over Joshua and he said, Joshua, I want you to anchor into this. I want you to be, str it's going to get scary. 
There's gonna be times when you're going to, uh, to be tempted to be terrified. I don't want you to be anxious or terrified or afraid. Don't be dismayed or discouraged. I want you to know this, I am with you. He didn't say to Joshua, you've got this, you're ready for this, just pull yourself up by your boots. He didn't make it about Joshua. He said, you can be bold and courageous and strong and not dismayed. Why? Because I am with you. I will be with you. I will cause you to succeed. Okay, so here's what we know. Um, I can promise you, I can promise you that Joshua circled back to that promise regularly. It was actually repeated over his life at least three or four times because, because he was going to need to anchor into it. He was going to need to be able to come back to that and drink living water when he, was, uh, when he didn't know what to do. He circled back to that. Um, I believe it sustained and encouraged him. It guided and anchored him. Now, flash forward 400 years after him. So Joshua lived, Moses, Joshua. 400 years later, we have a man named David. We, we, most of the time we know him as King David. He, was the, he started as a shepherd boy. He was the boy that killed the, the, the giant with the, you know, the stone, the sling and the stone. That David. 400 years later, we know that David had a practice, especially while he was a shepherd. This is part of the formational part of his life, is he spent a lot of time in Scripture. His Scripture wasn't as... as as broad as ours. He had maybe uh, the first five books of the Bible plus Joshua. And, uh, but David spent a lot of time there. And he, he took what were the anchor passages of other people and internalized them and appropriated them for his own life. We know that because, for example, uh, there was an anchor passage that was spoken in the life of Moses. Again, he was, he was one of the leaders of Israel at a critical time, at a, the beginning of a new season of Moses and the people of Israel, God spoke over them and God said this. He said, I want you to know what I'm like. When you get in trouble, remember not who you are, remember who I am. And so God spoke this over Moses and over that generation. He said, remember this, Here's who I am, the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity, transgressions, and sin. God gave that to them, and, 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 and Moses then prayed that over the people, when, when Moses and the people found themselves in trouble, they would go back to that and say, okay, God, you said you're a God that's merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love, and you forgive. So, you know, have mercy on us because we deserve judgment. It became an anchor passage for Moses. But you know what? It became an anchor passage for David. And we know that because it leaks out in his prayer life. We have David's prayer life recorded in the Psalms. The, the vast majority of the, the, the Psalms that we have in the middle of our, of our Bible, the vast majority of those were written by David. They were his prayers. And that language of Exodus 34 is just woven all through his prayers. Not always as a verbatim quote, but he's always coming back to it and saying, God, you are a merciful God, slow to anger. You're merciful and gracious, abounding in steadfast love. And sometimes he reminded his people. David took the anchor passage that was given to Moses, appropriated it, and gave it away to others. I want to go back to that passage over in Joshua. 
So, so, so that first passage of Joshua, do not be frightened, do not be dismayed. The Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Be strong and courageous, that one. Listen to this. There's a, there's a time at the end of David's life where he's commissioning his son Solomon to, to take up the, the kingship. And he's, he's saying, this is going to be your calling. In, in Solomon's generation, they're going to be building the temple that will represent God's presence amidst the people. And it's going to be the place where they gather to worship their God. And so it's, and it's the first time they've had a physical temple that was permanent, not a moving tabernacle. But, so this is going to be a big deal. And so David commissions him at the beginning of the new season of his life. And he basically prays over him the prayer from Joshua. Not as a quote, but, but you can hear. So see if you can't hear what he speaks over Solomon. This is 1 Chronicles 28, 20. Then David said to Solomon, his son, be strong and courageous and do it, meaning build the temple. Do not be afraid. Do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God, even my God, is with you. He will not leave you or forsake you until all the work of the service of the house of the Lord is finished. Do you hear it? Do you hear what he did? He took, he took that anchor passage that was given to, to Joshua, clearly had prayed that through in his life till it, till it became part of his prayer language. And when it was time to, to, to commission his son and to speak into his son's life, he said, this is for you. Anchor into this. Pray into this. Let this be the foundation of your life. He didn't say, oh, Solomon, you're so wise and you're so clever. You're just going to do great. I believe in you. He said, be strong and courageous for the Lord, my God, your God is with you. He will see this through. That's your anchor. Okay? See how it works? So that said... What God reveals about himself in one generation to one individual can be grasped, held on to, internalized and appropriated by subsequent generations of God's people. Doesn't matter. See, Joshua's calling, Joshua's circumstances were very different than David's or Solomon's. They, They had their own circumstances they were navigating, but they had to apply the truth of who God was to their circumstances. I've got circumstances that I'm going to be navigating in the next season of life and ministry. God gave me this anchor passage to to anchor me into who he is and what he has done and what he's promised to finish. Those are my circumstances. They're going to be different than yours. But I believe that this truth, because it's from God and it's about who God is, what he has done, what he is doing, and what he will finish, it can be an anchor passage for you. That's the invitation. So... Um, as we turn here, my anchor passage didn't originate with me. It actually starts with Jesus. So if you're going to borrow somebody's anchor passage, hey, come on, right? <laughs> Let's go with JC. So uh, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 3, verses 13 through 14. Let me give you the context before we read it. So Jesus is 30 years old. He has not yet begun his public ministry. This is crucial because this is the beginning of a new season. And he's going to be leaving the hiddenness of his previous life, of his childhood and his early adulthood. He's leaving the hiddenness of that and entering into public ministry. Which means at this point, nobody knows him as a rabbi or as a teacher. They don't know him as a miracle worker or a healer. If they know about him, 
which most don't because he lives up in northern rural Israel. He lives up in Galilee where he's the son of Joseph the carpenter. If they know about him, they just know that he's the son of the carpenter and therefore he's a carpenter. But all that's about to change. He's about to leave the hiddenness of that life. He's not gonna be a different person, but his circumstances are about to change radically. He's traveled south to the more populated areas near Jerusalem, and specifically, he's gone out to a place in the Judean wilderness uh, where his cousin, John the Baptizer, is, is, is attracting really large crowds, large religious crowds, with a ministry of baptism and forgiveness of sins and repentance. So let's read that text. It's Matthew 3.13. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. And then John consented. Now, as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son, whom I love. With him, I am well pleased. Uh, We know from all four gospels that this is a very pivotal moment in Jesus' life and ministry. It is the beginning of a new season. This is his inauguration. It's his coming out party where he is announced to the world. Uh, In this case, by really, there's a Trinitarian uh, experience right here. Here we have God the Father speaking. We have God the Spirit descending in a visible form like a dove upon Jesus, the Son. Um, From now on, he's going to be engaged in declaring and demonstrating the good news that God's rule is breaking into the human uh, experience, breaking into the human landscape. And he's going to be showing people that. Um, And it all begins here. I I titled this, this the foundations of Jesus' life and ministry because this is that moment where he goes from hiddenness to public. I suspect that that's not a new passage for you. If you've been in the church for any amount of time, you've undoubtedly heard that. It's recorded in all four Gospels. And so, you know, we have four accounts, selected biographies of Jesus' life, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. All four of them tell this story in some form. They focus on different aspects of it in some cases. But um, so it wasn't, it's probably not new for you. It wasn't new for me. But what I hadn't noticed before is that there were three things that happened that then became the foundation that Jesus would then live out of, that, he, that became his, his anchoring reality as he entered into this life of ministry. So number one is that he was forgiven or cleansed. Um, now this is interesting because you think about Jesus being forgiven and if you don't have to have spent much time in theological type discussions or church to know that Jesus was perfect. In fact, that's why John protests. John's his cousin, so John's grown up with him, and John's like, you know what? Um, This forgiveness thing, this is all about people owning the fact that they have missed the mark as it relates to God, that you've rebelled against God or uh, or resisted God. You've you've declared independence and just done your own thing. You've you've, uh, made sins of omission or sins of commission. Sins of commission are the things that when we do the wrong thing, sins of omission are when we fail to do the right thing. And so this baptism of repentance was owning that personally and saying, I have fallen short. 
and, and I need to be washed. I need to be cleansed. I need to be forgiven. God, would you forgive me? Because I have missed the mark. And so part of the imagery of, of baptism, and it's what we did here a few weeks ago, and we've got another one coming up. If you haven't been baptized, there's going to be an opportunity coming up just in the next few months. We do them every quarter. But the imagery of baptism is so powerful because it has the imagery of being washed, cleaned. But it's asking for it. It's like, I can't do this myself. Would you, would you forgive me and cleanse me? So it has that imagery, but it's got layers too because in the imagery of baptism, someone is buried and then given new life. And, and so people are given, would we say, resurrection life. And part of that resurrection life is a commitment to say, I have been going this direction. I've been going away from you and doing my own thing. And now as you give me new life, I'm going to turn and I'm making a commitment to pursue your way of life. All of that is wrapped up in this imagery of forgiveness. And so John protests against Jesus. And he's like, you know what? You don't need that. I've, I've seen you. I, I don't see anything. I've never seen anything that you need to be baptized for. But here's the thing. Jesus had come as the Messiah. Part of being the Messiah, the, it means anointed one. But part of that is that he was coming as the true representative of all humanity in general and of Israel specifically. Israel was supposed to be God's people that were set apart to be a conduit of, of God, uh, God's will breaking into the world. Okay, Israel had a special role, not because they were special, but because they were consecrated by God and set apart. And God said, through you, I want to bless the whole world. But humanity had failed in the garden. Israel had failed in the wilderness. When they crossed the Red Sea into the wilderness, Israel had failed. Israel crossed the Jordan River into the promised land and had failed there. And so on every level, we needed someone to rescue us. And Jesus comes as the Messiah, the true representative of humanity, the true representative of Israel. And where Israel failed, even when they crossed the Jordan River into the promised land, they, 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 after, after 40 years in the wilderness, they crossed into the promised land and they, they just blew out spiritually. Jesus is going to, to go into that same wilderness. He's going to go through the Jordan River in baptism into the wilderness for not for 40 years, but for 40 days and nights. He will be tempted, only he won't sin. He's, he's our representative. And he's the first, he's the, we would say he's the forerunner of all who would come after him. So what Jesus is doing is in this moment is he's modeling for every person who would ever come after him that it all starts with this. It all starts with owning sin, asking for forgiveness, being washed, being given new life. He's saying, this is the way. This is the way. Walk in it. So, so that's the beginning of Jesus' life and ministry. It's the foundation, right? The second thing that happens is that um, Jesus, this voice from heaven says, this is my, this is my son whom I love. This is my beloved son with him I'm well pleased. It's a voice from heaven that is an affirmation over Jesus' life. Now, I want you to recognize the timing of this because it's extremely significant. Why is it significant? It's significant because he hasn't done anything yet. He's not done anything to earn the father's gold stamp. You know, oh, Jesus, you, you performed really well today. I'm going to give you a gold star. I'm so proud of you and I love you for what you did. 
he hasn't done anything. He hasn't taught. He hasn't given any parables. He hasn't performed any miracles. He hasn't healed anyone. He hasn't fed the crowds. He, he's not loved as an employee, although he's about to, here's the, here's the decisive moment, he's about to enter into the, the father's you know, job. He's entering in the family business. But he's not loved as an employee. He's loved as a son, as a child. That's huge. What the crowd hears right now is that he's already loved and cherished by the Father. Not as an employee, not as part of a performance review, but as a son. As Jesus begins this new season of his life and ministry, and, and as he lives out every subsequent day, he does so with the knowledge that's been planted into his heart. That he's loved. He's not living to earn the Father's love, he's living from the Father's love. I wrote this as a quote, and you should write this down because this is good this will preach. Here it is. Put it up there. The foundation of the Christian life is not living for the Father's love, but from the Father's love. If you have a pencil or a pen, you should write that down. If you don't have a pencil or a pen, take a picture of it with your camera because that changes everything. If you wake up every day knowing, I am loved. I'm beloved by God, not because of what I've done or not done. Would you help me to live into that love today? That changes everything. That's the foundation for a life lived very differently than most people live their lives trying to earn others' love. Thirdly, Jesus is rooted in the confidence. Oh, wait, finish that point. He's, he's rooted in the confidence. He's securely and deeply loved. One thing to note, I caught this this week. I, I, I read through all four versions of this. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Mark and Luke both give a slightly uh, more detailed account of this. And here's what they say. That the voice from heaven didn't just say, this is my beloved son. The voice said, you are my beloved son. Do you know how personal that is? See, there were, everybody that was there heard something. Some people heard like what sounded like rumbling thunder. John heard the voice. Jesus heard the voice. Some people heard the voice. But the primary audience for this was not the crowd. It was Jesus. The crowd that was there, they got to hear it as well, but that was secondary. God the Father wanted his son to live from a place of being absolutely secure, that he was loved and adored and cherished and treasured. Not because of what he'd done yet. It's because of who he was. Third, Jesus was empowered or indwelled. The third thing that happened at this pivotal moment was that the found, that would become the foundation for Jesus' life and ministry was the outpouring of the Holy Spirit both in him and upon him. When Mark tells that part, he says that the heavens were torn open. It almost sounds violent. The heavens were torn open and the Spirit descended. And N.T. Wright, he's one of my favorite commentators, he, he says this, he says, that doesn't mean that Jesus saw like a little door a jar miles up in the sky. This is not like a Monty Python moment. Heaven in the Bible often means God's dimension behind ordinary reality. God's dimension behind ordinary reality, what we normally see and experience. It's more, it's more as if an, a previously invisible curtain right in front of us was suddenly pulled back 
so that instead of the trees and flowers and buildings, or in Jesus' case, the river, the sandy desert and the crowds, we're suddenly standing in the price of a different reality altogether. That different reality was the rival of God's very spirit, bridging the distance between heaven and earth, bridging the distance between God and mankind. All four gospels record that this happened in a way that was tangible, that was visible. All four of them compared, they say, well, it, it, was, it was as if a dove. It's the closest thing they compared to, but it was visible. They saw this thing happen, and they all emphasized that the Spirit didn't just land on him and then flit off somewhere. It landed on him, and it rested. It remained. It it abided in him. Here's what that means. Here's why this is so important, not just for Jesus, but for us. Because the key is that it rested so that everything that would follow in Jesus' life would be the outcome of the Holy Spirit's empowerment that he was indwelled and empowered by the abiding Holy Spirit. I'll give you one last quote. Here's another one you can write down or capture with your phones because this one preaches. Look at this. Jesus did not lean into his divinity. He leaned into his empowered humanity. You know why that's so important? Because we're called to follow Jesus. But we know that Jesus was was both completely divine and completely human. But if he, if he did the things he did, if he lived a life of righteousness, of power, of uh, being attentive to God's leading and, and doing what the Father was doing, if all of that was because he was God, well, that's neat, but none of us can follow. But if he did it as a man empowered by the Holy Spirit, if he did it leaning into his empowered humanity, I can follow that. I can get up each day and say, Jesus, I want to follow you and do the kind of things that you did. I want to live the kind of life you led. And I can do that not because I'm God, but because your spirit rests in me, your spirit abides in me. So since that became an anchor passage, well, so here's what I want to do. I just want to like, this is where this gets kind of personal. I'm just going to read from you my journal from that first day. I've continued to pray this passage. I'll show you what that looks like. But here's, here's my, my journal response from that first day as I'd been, I, I spent some time praying through the passage, placing myself inside of the passage. It was a, a practice called Ignatian prayer that was the, the, the method of prayer used in this journal or this, this book I was working through. But here's my written response as I got to my journal. Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, indwelling spirit, I see you, Trinitarian God, in the midst of this passage. The story that launches you, Jesus, from your private life in Nazareth, more quiet with a smaller sphere, your family, your friends, but now you're launching out into public ministry, into your calling, your mission, your place within the Father's plan for redemption. As you entered into this long-awaited and prepared plan after all these centuries, and you began with these key things modeled for those who would follow you, in taking up their own part of the Father's plan. For me, as I prepare to resume my place within your plan at Vineyard Boise, first, you stepped into the baptism of forgiveness, concretely, actively choosing repentance and receiving forgiveness. Jesus, today, I ask for the baptism of repentance and forgiveness. I long to be washed clean and to experience your resurrection life at work in me. I long for the washing of your spirit to be renewed in me. I renounce confidence in my flesh, in my capacity to, to 
walk the new creation life that you offer. Jesus, I, I have been baptized in water. I don't sense a need to renew that, but I do need to walk in all that that means and points to. And I need a fresh outpouring of your spirit and empowering grace to will and to work for your good pleasure. Jesus, you also received the affirmation and the assurance of the Father's love for you. Not just a, a general love from a loving creator, but the very personal love of a good father for his child. You needed that as you began your ministry so that your foundation and identity was in the Father's love, not the love or the criticism of others, not the presence of the crowds or the withdrawal of the crowds. Jesus, Heavenly Father, as I prepare to re-engage in ministry at the vineyard, I ask for and I need your love for me to be rekindled. I need it to be spoken so deeply into my very being. I want your love to be my rock, my foundation for whatever awaits. I want your love as the abiding constant. I love that language. This guy's, this guy's good. <laughs> Although he, it's a little hard to read his writing. Um, I want your love as the abiding constant in my life when all else is uncertain, unpredictable, and a changing world. Would you speak love into me again today and tomorrow and the next day? Lastly, I see the Spirit descend upon you and remain with you, empowering and leading you in all that you would be and do. Holy Spirit, fall on me and make your home within me. Remain in me and teach me to walk in the calling you have for me. Teach me to abide and to obey. Um, okay, that, that's one journal entry. I get to keep praying that. And, and, and it takes on different tone every day. There's, so, here, so let me show you a picture. After that day's journaling, I, I put this picture up. I put, the, I put this post-it note in my closet. So I would be reminded every day before I got dressed, actually before I get in the shower. I find myself praying through this as I, as I get in the shower. You could use different language. If you appropriate this for your life as an anchor passage, you might use the word forgiven instead of cleansed or beloved or cherished instead of loved. You can use whatever has weight for you, whatever has gravity for you, and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. That first journal entry, I, that was my response. As I pray through it each day, I Think about, God, what do I need to talk to you about as it relates to forgiveness? Some days I don't feel forgiven and cleansed. Some days I feel shame or I just feel a general blah. It's not really concrete. It's not about something specific. I just don't feel. So I, God, would you help me to remember the reality that my baptism represents, that you have forgiven and cleansed me that the work of your spirit in my heart is you have set me free. You've cleansed me from my idolatry. Help me to live from that place today. Help me to live from the new creation that I'm dead to who I was and that you are teaching me new ways of living that are pleasing to you. Would you help me to do that today? Would you help me to live as one who's loved? I don't know what I'm going to experience today. I don't know what, I might get criticized. I might be dealing with anxiety. Would you help the anchor of my life, the foundation of my life to be that I am loved by you? that nothing can separate me from the love of my creator and my good father. Let me live from that identity today. God, would you speak that over me? Sometimes I st this morning I stood in the shower and I just let the water come on me. Like, well, you don't want to see me in the shower. But I'm like, 
I'm like standing in the shower with my hands up saying, God, would you speak this into my heart today? Holy Spirit, as you, as, even as this water washes over me and awakens me and warms me, would you awaken my heart to your love? And then I pray, God, Holy Spirit, would you wash over me and would you fill me? Would you teach me to abide in you? We, you know, we pray, come Holy Spirit. It's not that the Holy Spirit doesn't come and go. When the Holy Spirit comes upon a person, it remains, it rests, it abides in them. But so often, we're not attentive to that. So God, would you help me to pay attention to your indwelling spirit today? Teach me to, to, to follow you, to, to see what you're doing, to participate with you. And maybe I'd be empowered to join in your family business today. Would you help me to pray for others with, with power, with discernment? So it can look all kinds of ways. That's something you can build your life on. It's next season of my life. That's why I'm going to be adding that to my other anchor passages and praying into that. As we close today, I'd like to, to um, ask the worship team to come up. And maybe if you're here in the, on campus, would you stand with me? And um, in just a moment, the worship team is going to lead us in a, a song. And here's the thing, it's, it's, a, it's a song that we felt was really appropriate for this message. But I'll tell you what, you can either sing this song along with the worship team, or you can let them sing it over us, and you can just take a moment to pause and say, God, what would it be like for me to build my life upon this same foundation that Jesus built his life on? That he was forgiven, that he was loved, that he was empowered. And maybe just apply that to your life. Let the Spirit lead you in how to personally respond today. Your circumstances may be different today than they'll be tomorrow. So just let this be a word of manna, to manna God gives every day. Let this be a word of manna for you. Before we do that, I, I want to give an opportunity. If you've never committed your life to following Jesus, you may be experiencing a desire for that kind of life. For what I just described, you think, I want that. I want forgiveness. I want to know that nothing I've done or ever will do can separate me from the love of God. I want to renounce confidence in what I can do on my own strength and allow Jesus' death and resurrection to be the, the source of my life. If you've, if you've not been baptized and you don't, you don't know that you have that kind of personal response to Jesus and that kind of relationship with Jesus, you can start that today. You could, if, we were, if this was a baptism morning, it would be, oh, that'd be awesome. You could get baptized right now. But all it takes to start is to say, Jesus, I want to repent of my sin. I want to turn my life over to you and follow you. Will you place your Holy Spirit in me? Will you cleanse me? you wash me, fill me with your love, and would, you, and would you start me on a new path? You can do that today, and it's as simple as raising your hand. Interesting, as I was reading this, these passages, when it gets to John's record of this, John says twice. He says, until that moment, he said, I had an idea about who Jesus was. He was his cousin, right? So it's not like Jesus was a stranger to him. He was familiar with who he was, but he said, I myself did not know him until the moment of his baptism. That's when he realized this is the son of God and I want to put my confidence in him. 
you can do what John did. You can say, you know what? I've, I've known who Jesus was culturally. I've, I'm here because I'm, I'm, you know, Jesus curious. But as a result of this story and hearing John's story, I want to surrender my life to him. If that's you today, I'm not going to ask you to come up front. I'm just going to ask you to put up your hand right where you are and just ask a few of people around you to put the hand on your shoulder and pray for you. Uh, if that's you, would you just put your hand up? Because um, I don't want to miss this opportunity to begin life with Jesus. This is a good life. This is a good thing to build your life upon. A hand back here. Somebody step back there and put your hand on this shoulder. Anyone else? All right. Just be praying back there. For the rest of us, like I said, it's an invitation. The worship team leads us and they're going to close us in prayer. And um, if you need prayer this morning for something in addition to what we're praying through together right now, we're going to put some words for prayer. This is some things our, our prayer team sensed this morning specifically that, that God wanted to minister into. So, so you may see yourself in one of these words for prayer up here. If that's you, um, I just invite you uh, as, we, as we worship to come up front and our, our ministry team, we've got an equipping team that's just going to come over and they're just going to join you in praying for you. So uh, if you would like prayer in any front, if you'd like to step out and, and get prayer from somebody else, you can do that. Apart from that, we're just going to allow this song to become our, our anthem this morning, in a sense. And, um, and I want to encourage you to put down roots here. Put down roots that Jesus put down roots in. Cast me not away.
that you do create clean hearts. You don't leave us as we are, you create clean hearts. You're in the business of creating clean hearts. And so we receive that afresh today. We receive it afresh today. And Holy Spirit, we receive your presence afresh today. Thank you, Lord, that you don't cast us away from your presence. You don't cast us away from your presence. this morning we're just going to keep worshiping for a bit I feel like the Lord wants to continue just to move and but if you need to if you need to go you're free to go this morning uh, but we're just going to keep inviting the Holy Spirit today it, like Trevor said if you need um, prayer for anything if you need um, if you want to be prayed for just even if you've never felt like you've received the Holy Spirit today we're going to pray for that as well uh, so we're just going to keep worshiping. If you want to stick around and keep uh, pressing in, we invite you to do that. If you need to go, you're free to do that as well. Bless you guys today. Spirit sound, rushing with fire of God. Holy Thanks for listening. To respond or receive prayer after the live stream closes, please email prayer at vineyardboise.org. And if possible, include your phone number. We'd love to get in touch with you. Thanks.